0: Good morning welcome it's so great to see everybody here today and I'm Jeff Scott I'm one of the pastors here on staff and so I'm glad that I get to be with you this morning by the way if you are if this is your first time here uh, if you've never done it before be sure and fill out one of those guest cards that's attached to the bulletin just fill it out tear it off and put it in the offering box back there we would love to hear from you and make a connection with you today and so if you have your Bibles turn to Revelation chapter 22. Can you believe it? We are in the last chapter of the book of Revelation. Isn't that amazing? So we've started, we started chapter one. Roger, Bob, Norm, they have did a fantastic job as we've worked our way through this, uh, this wonderful book. And we've certainly been blessed. Um, because we've read and we've heard and, uh, and today we're going we're gonna to keep the word of God. And so it's, uh, it's been a great study so far. I do want to say I'm thankful for David and for the worship team. They do a fantastic job and I appreciate them. And I want to say too, I appreciate the uh, the workers that come and help me with youth every, Sunday, every Wednesday. Um, I couldn't do it without them. And so I want to say thank you to them today. And so um, as we get started here. Hopefully my clicker, there it is. All right, so I always like to start with fun stuff. Here it is, the holiday season. Christmas is just two weeks away. Are you like me and you're like, it's like two weeks away. Like where did December go, right? You know what I'm saying? So uh, anyway, uh, there's a couple of kids and it was around Christmas time and they went to say their night-night prayers. Uh, It was a brother and sister and a little boy starts out and he says, uh, dear God, as loud as he can, as he kneels beside but dear God, I need a new bicycle. I need an iPhone 15. I need a PS5, right? Yelling at the top of his lungs. His sister looks at him is like, what are you doing? She's like, God's not deaf. And the little boy says, I know, but grandma is. <laughs> so... so uh, so if you have grandkids, you understand that one right there. Anyway, I always like to start with fun stuff. I love to laugh, and you'll get to know that about me. There's this guy here. Oops, I went too far. i have to go back one. This guy here is named C.T. Stutt. And he was one of the pioneer missionaries, or one of the missionaries that pioneered the modern missionary movement. Uh, he lived in England, that's where he was from, and uh, he was a star cricket player. So in that day, cricket was the big game, kind of like we have baseball, football, basketball. He was the star. So he was the, uh, I'll say the Michael Jordan of cricket, or the, the Patrick of uh, that kind of thing, right? And so, uh, but uh, believe it or not, he left all of that. He had the world at his feet, fame, and fortune, all those type things, but he left all of it to be a missionary to China, India, and Africa. It's a great story. Love Jesus. This is a quote you may be familiar with. He quoted this in a poem, or he wrote this in a poem. He said, only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Maybe you've heard that before. He wrote that in a poem. He understood that that you know cricket is a fleeting thing and some of these other things that we do. But what matters is what we do for the kingdom. And so he literally sold out everything to go and serve the Lord. But I wanted to point out another quote that he made I thought was very fascinating. He said, I wish I could take every Christian and dangle them over the pit of hell for 30 seconds. This would change the way they live here on earth and the rest of their lives. Now, no doubt, right? If every Christian, if we were dangled over hell for 30 seconds and we heard the screams and the torment and we saw the flames and and the isolation, if we saw those things, clearly it would have an effect on our lives, right? I think we would come back from that and we'd be so grateful to God that he saved us from that, right? We would be so thankful that Jesus came and gave his life so that we could have salvation so that we would not even think about going to hell. But I think it also ignited fire in us to make sure that we told everybody we knew about, we would implore them, come to faith in Jesus, right? And so that's what we would do. I think it would, in fact, change our lives. There's another guy I like listening to, his name's Francis, Francis Chan. He was a pastor for a while, he does some writing and those type of things. But anyway, he kind of turned this upside down. I thought this was pretty cool, he said, what if we dangled someone over heaven for 30 seconds? Would that change the way they live? I thought, that's a great idea. If for 30 seconds we got a glimpse of the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, God's capital city, and most importantly, we got a glimpse of the throne of God, I, I believe it would have a profound effect on our lives. I think it would change the way we, first off, I think we would love Jesus all the more. And I think that we would stop with our casual Christianity and our laxadaisical attitude towards faith. And I believe it would make us all in for Jesus, loving him with everything we have. And of course, we would drag as many people to heaven with us, right? And we would go, we would share the gospel, it would ignite a fire. But all the more, we would love Jesus with everything that we have. And so that's what I believe. Now, Um, I think when you talk about heaven, most people haven't think of heaven as being something like this, right? Um, Some like thousand year long church service where you sing a thousand verses of song, song, some song, say like "Just as I Am" or something. I don't know. And I say that because I think there are a thousand verses to "Just as I Am," but, but you know, it's just boring and tiresome. And oh, we're all ever gonna do is sing. Well, we get that from pop culture, Hollywood movies. uh, 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 cultural movies and things like that songs as a matter of fact one of them being this you guys probably know this guy right here named Billy Joel y'all know him probably like his music entertainer um, musician great songwriter as a matter of fact very talented anyway he in 1977 he wrote the song only the good die young okay and one of the lyrics say this they say there's a heaven for those who will wait some say it's better, but I say it ain't. I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. The sinners are much more fun. Only the good die young. Now, some of you were humming that too while I was saying that, weren't you, right? I get it, I was too. So, but his perception is that heaven is boring and I, he has no, die, no desire to go there. Instead, he wants to hang out with the sinners and party all night and, and do all those things. And that's obviously not what, the, what happens according to the word of God, right? I looked it up this week just to make sure, but to this day, Billy Joel is not a Christian. A matter of fact, he's an atheist. Doesn't believe in God. Doesn't believe in heaven. Doesn't believe in hell, any of those type of things. But I hope at some point, before he steps into eternity, he hears about God's love, that God loves him so much that He sent Jesus. And I hope before he steps into eternity, he receives God's love and gift of forgiveness. But we shall see. There's another guy by the name of Mark Twain. This guy was actually really smart. <laughs> the more I read his stuff, he was, he was a great writer, a great thinker. And the Huckleberry Finn, right, the, the, world, the, the famous book Huckleberry Finn, he wrote this, Miss Watson told me all about the good place. Now this is how he described it. She said all a body would have to do there was to go around all day long with a harp and sing forever and ever. That sounds exciting, doesn't it? I asked her if she reckoned Tom Sawyer would go there. He said not, She said not by a considerable sight. And he said I was glad because I wanted him to meet again. This picture that heaven is boring of harps and singing and sitting on clouds, that's where we get this popularity. But that couldn't be further from the truth. As a matter of fact, the Bible says heaven will not be boring. Heaven will be amazing. It'll be glorious. And so I can't wait for the day. So we're gonna talk today about the New Jerusalem, God's capital city. Uh, Roger Norm talked about the new, Jer- the new heaven and the new earth and, and described the outside mostly of the New Jerusalem. Today we're gonna walk through the gates and we're gonna get a glimpse of what this, what's gonna be on the inside of those gates of New Jerusalem. and It's gonna be beautiful. Let's read some scripture, we'll start in verse one. It says this, Then the angels showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Let's pray. Father, we commit this time to you. You are so awesome and amazing. We just give you praise. And we commit ourselves to you, to the reading of your word, to the proclamation of your gospel. Father, speak to us because we're hungry and we're thirsty, and we're longing for something more, and you are the only one who can satisfy that need. And so God, I'm asking that you speak to every one of us in this place today. Words of comfort, words of, uh, maybe of words of conviction. But God, speak a word into us today. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Now, before we get into the new Jerusalem, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I like cities, right? I love visiting cities. I've told you that before. Uh, whenever I was young, I, I dreamed of going to big cities, Chicago, New York. I finally made it to Chicago and, and uh, I told somebody about it. And they're like, if you like Chicago, you love New York. And so I went to New York. I was like, man, this is awesome. This was back in 1997 when everything was like halfway safe to be there. Visited other cities since then, LA, Houston, other cities. I would love to go and see these cities of the Far East, right? Where they have like 20 million people. And now you're all looking like Jeff, you are odd. Why would you love cities? I don't know. I love the big buildings. I love all of the people, all of the activity. I, it just, it just, it, 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 it just, uh, it, it, it makes me, you know, uh, interested. And so, the worst part about these cities today is they're being destroyed. Um, what a terrible thing is happening in these cities. I would say because of a rejection of God and godly things and righteousness and holiness. And and so these cities are being destroyed. It's a sad, sad thing. Anyway, I just want to say I love cities. And it's a good thing because uh, the city of God is going to be absolutely beautiful. Here's a few things about the city of God, the new Jerusalem, God's capital city. First off, it's a place of life and beauty. It's a place of life and beauty. Um, What's the most beautiful place on earth you visited? Right? You don't have to answer. I did a Facebook poll this week and some of you probably answered on that. Um, this, here's a picture of Red Rock Canyon outside of Las Vegas. But uh, here's some of the answers that I got, right? The mountains, uh, Rocky Mountains, Great Smoky Mountains. Um, Wyoming was a big one. You see there, Alaska, Hawaii. I like this home, right? And I'm gonna be honest with you. <clears throat> You've been on a trip, you come home, that bed looks very beautiful, doesn't it? <laughs> right? Your own bed looks. Whenever I was a kid, I didn't understand. Now that I'm old, I get it, I understand. The list goes on. One of my friends said, everything in the western US. I kind of agree with that. You get out west and it's like, wow, the expanse, right? Places all around the world. Absolutely beautiful, magnificent. God created a beautiful world and it is amazing. And and we are privileged to see some of these things and to take that all in and we say, wow God, you're amazing. The thing about this though is when we see the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, none of these things are even going to compare to that. Isn't that amazing? Like all of the beautiful things that we see now, they're not even going to compare to the beauty that we're going to see in the city of Jerusalem. For instance, uh, he talks about the, the river of the water of life as clear, clear as crystal. And so we're gonna see this beautiful river of the water of life flowing from the throne. Now, some people say that's symbolic. And I think there is symbolism here because the, the water of life represents eternal life coming from the throne of God. I, I absolutely believe that, right? Because God is the giver of eternal life. And it talks about drinking of the water of life, the, the living water, the Holy Spirit. And I absolutely believe all those things. But I think there's gonna be a real river flowing from the, lamb, or from the throne of God and of the lamb through this great city. And it's gonna be in the middle of the street and it's gonna be absolutely beautiful. Some have kind of maybe likened it to this. this uh, here's the street, it's transparent gold because it's just so pure. The river flowing down through the middle of the city. Maybe that's what it'll be. We don't know exactly, but that is uh, just maybe a picture. We can't even really picture in our minds what this river is gonna look like. It's gonna be refreshing, I think. It's gonna be delightful. Uh, we'll be able to drink of this water. It's gonna be crystal clear, absolutely beautiful and amazing. Well, I did some study, of course, I read the book by Randy Alcorn uh, called Heaven. He wrote about heaven. And it's a great book. I I encourage you to read it if you get a chance. It's about this thick. But I just read a little bit of it this time, but refreshed on it. And he was talking about this river. And he thinks that it's going to be flowing out. And there's going to be tributaries that flow throughout the city and we'll walk along the river kind of like a river walk and we'll walk along this river and we'll laugh and we'll tell stories and 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 we'll see other believers and i'll see you guys and we'll say hey what's up and we'll wave and we'll know each other of course of of course but we'll see along those things and as i was reading this i immediately pictured in my mind or had this thought in my mind about san antonio texas y'all ever been to san antonio texas they have this thing called the river walk this river runs through the city of san antonio It's actually really pretty. Now, that's not heaven. Now, if you're from Texas, they would say that's heaven. But I would say, no, it's not heaven. But... I got this picture in my mind, if, uh, this river that flows through the city, all along every building has a, 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 a lower level that opens to this river and there's shopping and restaurants and, and all these things happening and you walk along this river and there's trees and all these things and I think that's what heaven's gonna be like, we're gonna walk along this river, this beautiful river and there'll be uh, places to eat and, and we'll see all these things and we'll be walking together, we'll be laughing and we'll see art and culture and we'll hear the music of heaven, I'll say it, the, the, uh, the symphony, the chorus of prayer the soundtrack of heaven will be playing and we'll be worshiping and singing as we walk along and maybe even drink from some of this water the water of life it's gonna be absolutely beautiful it's gonna be amazing right and then it talks about the tree of life we also read about the tree of life and it says it's in the middle of the river it's in the it's in the middle it's, it's on both sides of the river I'm sorry some say it's a tree it's in the middle and the leaves hang over to both sides um, similar to this some say it's something similar to this where the river flows and the tree is really not just one tree but it could be the trees of life and so there's multiple trees of life down along the river that go in different directions and we'll be able to eat now this tree of life you if you're familiar with the Bible at all you probably remember it from somewhere it was in the Garden of Eden. Matter of fact, they would even say this is Eden restored. It was in the Garden of Eden, right? You had the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve were there. And they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what happened? The Bible says their eyes were open. And that's when sin entered into the world. Now, almost immediately, they were banned from the Garden of Eden. Why is that? Because God did not want them to have access to the tree of life and their sinful stake. Because as I understand it, if they would have eaten from the tree of life in their sinful state, they would live forever in the sinful condition. Now, you want to talk about hell on earth, right? Could you imagine this is all there is? You're going to live forever and ever and ever in your sinful condition. All the pain, all the brokenness, people dying, ever. that's that's what would have happened. But God graciously banished them from the garden. But now in heaven, we're going to have access to the tree of life and we'll come and we'll eat from it freely. Like there's, there's different fruit, 12 fruit, one for every month and it's gonna be delicious. Also notice it said the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And the nations represents all of the tribes and people groups from all around the world throughout all time. Everyone is going to be there and we're all gonna eat from this tree. Now that we're healing, uh, I don't, we're not gonna be sick. So it's not necessarily referencing sickness from healing or healing from sickness. Um, The Greek word is therapia, which we get our word therapy from. And so we suspect that there's going to be some sort of vitality or or, or strength or health that's going to be enhanced as we eat from this tree. Now, will we be eating in heaven? I say, yes, we will. Um, We won't need to eat, okay? We will eat, though. And I would say this, this is my speculation, simply for the pleasure of eating. How many of you love to eat? All right, all right, all right. Clearly, I love to eat. You look at me like, Jeff clearly loves to eat. Um, I got this metabolism that I, if I walk by the donuts that are in the fellowship hall, I gain five pounds, right? That's my metabolism. am like, oh, donuts, oh, I just gain weight. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what happens to me, okay? And, and, I, and I clearly love to eat, right? In heaven, we're going to eat for just the sheer pleasure. Now, we're not gonna gorge ourselves with gluttony and all those type things. It's just, I imagine, we're sitting around a table and we're eating of the fruit and of the leaves and we're telling stories and David, for instance, we're gonna see David, we're like David, tell us how big Goliath was, right? And he's gonna run, and he, I probably shouldn't stand on these chairs, he's gonna stand in a chair, maybe on top of the table, he's going say he was this tall, right? And then we're gonna talk to Daniel, who knows, but when we sit around eating and just having the pleasure, that's fun in now, isn't it? When we join together for family things or friends and we eat and it's about, it's, I think it's gonna be the same way in heaven. There's gonna be some vitality that comes. also too. It's a place where there's no more curse. You say, Jeff, well, what's the curse? Uh, I'm sorry, verse three says, no longer will there be any curse. Uh, What is the curse? The curse came when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? That's when sin, the curse entered this world. And the curse is death ultimately but it's brokenness, it's disease, it's pain, it's suffering, it's toilsome labor, it's pain in childbirth. It's all of the pain that we are suffering now. We are living under the curse. But in that day, praise God, there will be no more curse. And so there'll be no more death and dying and no more knees that hurt or backs that hurt, right? There'll be no more suffering or pain. The curse will be gone. No longer will we say goodbye to the people that we love, right? We've all had to go to the cemetery and, and remember the life and celebrate the life of the one who's just departed. I was reminded this this past week. Uh, I had my funeral for my aunt, and she was a great lady. She was uh, super fun to hang out with. She was always laughing, right? She was always laughing. She was a, a good person, she's a hard worker. Um, it was my mom's sister. She was a hard worker. That whole family, they're all hard workers. And um, and so you know, and and she would help anybody. Didn't care who you are. You could be stranger. She was just one of those ladies that could help you, right? And so we were at the um, memorial service. Actually, we were at the graveside, and uh, I I was speaking there. And, um, And I looked out and I saw my family, my friends, my aunts and uncles, cousins. You know, and I said, "Listen, I want all of us to be together in heaven. I want all of us. I want to see your faces in heaven." We will see Mona again. We will see grandma and grandpa again. We'll see all the aunts and uncles, all those that have went on already. We'll see them again. I know they're in heaven. I know they're in heaven, not because they were good people, not because they were hard workers, not because they did all these great things to help people. They're in heaven because they believed in Jesus. And so I wanted them to believe in Jesus. I want everyone here today. I wanna see us all in heaven. And it comes through faith in Jesus and faith in Jesus alone according to the word of God. And so if you're here today and you've never professed faith in Jesus, I implore you to confess faith in him today, to repent of sins and simply say, Jesus, I need you. I give my life to you and he will save you today, right now. All right, it's also a place of service. Now, i um, I'm thankful for this. The verse says here, the throne of this is also verse three. The throne of God and, and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him, right? Now, I know most people think heaven is gonna be a bunch of laying around. I know this is a perception, uh, Sit on a cloud. Man, I wish I had brought a magazine. You know what I'm saying? That's really the perception, but, but we're gonna be busy, which I'm glad about. I'm one of those people like I can't sit still. Anybody else like that in here? Some of you, I, I just can't sit still. When we go on vacation, I drive my wife and daughter insane because I want to go, 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 right? It's like eight o'clock. I'm like, it's eight o'clock in the morning. The day's half over. We got to go. You know what I'm saying? They're like, just let us lay in bed. It's because I like to go and see new things and do all these things. It's that it invigorates me. Well, that's how it's going to be in heaven. We're actually going to be invigorated or have a sense of accomplishment through our work. We're actually going to have joy in our work. No longer is the curse where it's toilsome labor, right? But there's actually joy in our work. I think in terms of, now on earth when you accomplish something, like a hard project you've been working on, whatever it is, you work on it and finally you're done and, and maybe you get a promotion at work or maybe something great happens, but you're, you've worked hard on this one time thing and finally it's done and there's joy and accomplishment. This past week my daughter finished up her first semester at uh, the at college, university. She called me Thursday. She's like, Dad, Dad, I finished my last final. I am done for the semester. And we just celebrated together. She was so happy and relieved. And, and uh, so we just celebrated together. I almost said, Well, good. That's awesome. Now there's only seven more semesters. But I didn't say that, right? i like, <laughs> <laughs> I told her that the next day. But anyway, so, you know, I, but anyway, in that moment, she was so excited. I think that's how it's going to be. We're going to accomplish our work. And again, more joy is going to come. And we're going to glorify God. We're gonna glorify And so you think about some of the jobs. I I, I don't even know what all we'll be doing, but my suspicion is this, right? God has given all of us talents and abilities, okay? We're not gonna just simply throw those away the moment we die and then be glorified. I think we'll have talents and abilities that are glorified. So, and my suspicion is, if you were like could write songs, and I think you'll write songs in heaven. I, I really do. I think there'll be art in heaven. I think there'll be. Uh, who knows? You might be a part of a building project. You might be cooking. I don't know. But I think God is going to use the talents that He's built talents and abilities given us, to serve Him in heaven. It'll just be glorified and magnified for His purposes. And so we're going to be busy in heaven. But heaven is also this. It's a place of satisfaction. Verse four says this. They will see his face, his name will be on their foreheads. When it says on their foreheads, I think that could mean that he will be foremost in our thoughts. So we'll think about him all the time. So, so um, Paul, in Paul, he says this, he says, We see but a poor reflection is in mirror. then we will see face to face. So heaven's going to be absolutely beautiful and amazing. It really is, right? We're going to see the grandeur of heaven. We're going to see the city of God. And who knows what all, I, I think God's going to re- redo the universe. There's going to be planets and, and things that we'll be able to explore. I mean, it goes beyond then what God's going to do in this new heaven and this new earth. It's going to be absolutely amazing, right? But as, as great as those things are, that's not really what makes heaven, heaven. What makes heaven, heaven is Jesus is there. Our Lord is there. And finally, finally, we'll see our Lord Jesus face to face. The one who died for us, we will see him face to face. And I guarantee in that moment, all of the pain and the suffering and the illness and all of the terrible things that we dealt with in this world, all of it's going to melt away and we're going to find complete satisfaction in the face of Jesus. And I think we'll bow before him, and then maybe he'll give us a hug, or we'll give him a hug, but we're going to finally see Jesus, the one who gives meaning and purpose, the one who saved us, who gave his life for us, and we're going to praise him forever and ever and ever. It's going to be wonderful. I was reminded this week of this song. It was written by Nettie Dudley Washington. Uh, She wrote it back in 1927, Um, but it really didn't become popular until the Gaither Vocal Band made it popular. It's called, I Bow to My Knees and Cried Holy. Y'all heard this song before? If you're a Southern Gospel fan, you know the song. I'm not a huge Southern Gospel fan, let's be honest with you. I appreciate the, the, the voices and the talent and the harmonies. It's just not my flavor, not necessarily. But this week I listened to this song over and over, um, just a couple of times, just different versions. And I heard the, the Heritage Singers live from Prague version it was really good, so if you wanna to listen to it. Anyway, here's some of the lyrics. She says, as I entered the gates of that city, my loved ones all knew me well. They took me down the streets of heaven, such scenes there were too many to tell. I saw Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob talked with Mark and Timothy. And I think that's what we'll do. We'll talk to these guys. But I said, I want to see Jesus because he's the one who died for me. And I bowed on my knees and I cried, holy, holy, holy. And then I clapped my hands and I sang, glory, glory the son of god i think this is how it's going to be when we see jesus face to face we're going to stand in an absolute awe of our savior and everything all everything that we've ever all the pain all of it's going to melt away what a day that will be when my jesus i shall see when i look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land what a day glorious day that will be that's for sure we got to jump ahead here we're going to go on to verse 10 it says this and then he told me do not seal up the words of this prophecy of this scroll because the time is near let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong let the vile person continue to be vile let the one who does right continue to do right and let the holy person continue to be holy so what what is God saying here does he want people to be wicked no I don't think that's what he's saying so ultimately, I, I think, my, my opinion of this, I guess, and what I've seen is, is I think that if someone reads the book of Revelation, right, and they see all of the things that are going to come from the judgment, from the wrath of God being poured out to the great white throne judgment, to the lake of fire, and to the new heaven and new earth. And so if you, if you see these things and yet you refuse to believe and repent, God's gonna say, just go on your way. Continue to be wicked, continue to be vile, Just go on. You you know what's coming, right? You know what awaits, but just go on. If you've read this book, if you've experienced, if you've seen all these things and, and yet that's what you take away, he's gonna say, just go ahead. Go ahead and be with, but if you're holy and you're righteous and you love Jesus, God says to you, he says, your reward is coming in due time. Hang in there, finish well. Keep on being holy, keep on being righteous because the best is yet to come. I think that's what he's saying there. <clears throat> this past weekend, I wasn't here last week, we went to um, Poplar Bluff, my wife and my daughter, we went to meet with my wife's family down in Poplar Bluff. And uh, you guys probably do some of the same things. It's Thanksgiving holiday kind of thing where we get together and, and we eat meals together. And speaking of loving to eat, I ate so much biscuits and gravy, it was stupid, all right? There's gotta be biscuits and gravy in heaven. I mean, it's so good. I figured up, I count up the calories in order to justify the amount of biscuits and gravy I ate. I'd have to walk back to here from Poplar Bluff, but that's neither here nor there, right? So <laughs> clearly, I love to eat. Anyway, after one of the meals, I grabbed the trash bag and I was walking around picking up the fine china that we were using <laughs> right? the trash bag. And I got to my wife's cousin, and uh, she handed me her plate, right? And her fork was on there like this. And she, but then she stopped. She grabbed back. She took her fork and then she handed me her plate. And I was reminded of that saying, hang on to your fork, the best is yet to come, right? Uh, Because what happens next? Obviously, what happens next is dessert, right? The dessert is the best that is yet to come. And so I don't know if I said anything to her, but in that moment, I almost said the best is yet to come, right? Because that's what we think about. So I was reminded of the story of the lady who wanted to be buried with her fork, Y'all, y'all familiar with this story? Maybe Rogers told it. She wanted to be buried with her fork. And she told it. she insisted to her pastor and to the funeral people and her family, I gotta be buried with my fork. And they're like, why? why a fork? I mean, I have all the things to be buried with. Why a fork? And she says, because I want everybody who comes to my funeral to know that this is not my final destination. <laughs> She's like, that's just a shell. I will be in heaven. And for those who believe in Jesus, the best is yet to come. And so if they will trust in Jesus, if they will trust and give their lives to him, they will experience his best. They will see his glory for themselves. And so she wanted that fork there to remind them that the best is yet to come. I want to be honest with you, right? If you don't know Jesus, if you have rejected him and Maybe you're here today out of kindness for somebody or whatever it is. I just want to say, listen, God loves you very much. But if you reject him, this life is the best you're going to get. This is it. This is the best you're going to get. As terrible as this life is, this is the best you're going to get. Because what happens if you reject Jesus and God's offer of love and God's free gift of salvation and of eternal life, guess what happens? You're separated from God forever in a place called hell. It's the truth according to the word of god that's what happens to those who reject jesus and so this world is the best you're going to get i implore you today profess faith in jesus repent of sins receive his free gift of eternal life so that you can await the best that's yet to come by the way if you're a believer and you're here today right this is the worst it's going to get isn't that good news i mean this life is rough (laughs) I mean, we have good times, don't get me wrong, right? We have happiness, but it's very fleeting, which that's a good thought. In heaven, we'll always be happy. Isn't that that neat? Like I thought about that. Isn't that neat? We'll always be happy. There'll always be joy. Not just joy, but there'll be happiness and glad hearts and all those type things. But anyway, if you're a believer, this is the worst there is because you're gonna eventually, or you're gonna know that the best is yet to come. And so I encourage you today, believe in Jesus uh, a few years ago, Roger, uh, he, you've all, you all know Roger. Well, if you've been here before, he likes to do uh, things at funerals, right? And he passes out stuff. And, and a few years ago, I came to a funeral that he did, and he passed out a fork. You all remember this? Maybe some of you will. And on the fork, he wrote like the person's name and the date of birth and the date of death. And he gave it to the family, you know, to, as a reminder that the best is yet to come. Do you know what I'm saying? Don't forget your, your loved ones in heaven. And if you know Jesus, the best is yet to come. And so he gave them all the fork. And so I thought, you know what would be kind of cool is let's give everybody a fork today, right? On the way out the door, there's gonna be a basket with forks. I want you all to take a fork, to be reminded if you're a believer, the best is yet to come. You can put it in your Bible like this, right? You can put it in your Bible, and then when someone says, why do you have a fork in your Bible? You can say, because the best is yet to come. Or you can take it, or you can put your Bible, and when you go to eat, not maybe today, or maybe it's a holiday meal, and you grab that fork, and you be reminded, even though things are difficult, especially this season, going through loss and all those type things, you can pick that fork up and go, the best is yet to come. Let's pray. God, I I just praise your name. You are so awesome and amazing. You're so kind and gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. I just praise your name today. I thank you for everyone who's here, and I thank you for your word that is true, that is faithful and true. And I thank you, God, that Jesus is coming soon. Now, Father, there may be those here today who aren't ready. I just pray, God, that you would bring conviction of sin upon them and call them to salvation. Give them courage and faith to believe and to trust you with their life. Father, for those here who are are righteous and holy, Lord, help them, give them the strength and the courage and the determination and the passion to keep being holy and keep being righteous, knowing that one of these days and knowing and understanding that the best is yet to come. We commit ourselves to you and to your glory, for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand for just a moment here. We got some time. We have to rush out here, but let's all stand. Everybody just bow your head and close your eyes. And Listen, if you're here and you've never professed faith in Jesus, I, again, want to give you this opportunity. All you have to do is right where you're at, close your eyes, and call out to God. You don't have to say it out loud. Just call out to God in your heart and say, God, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Please save me. I was wrong. I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I give my life to you. You just call out to Jesus right now, and he will save you. His Spirit will enter you. He'll forgive all of your sins, and he will give you eternal life. Now, obviously, we'll want you to let us know that you made this decision because uh, the Lord doesn't want undercover Christians. He wants people to come and make a public profession, and we do baptism to publicly profess. But right now, you can confess faith in Jesus and receive eternal life. I just want to give you the opportunity today. Maybe you're here and you just got some stuff on your heart. I would say, talk to God right now. Just take a moment. Talk to God, seek Him. Maybe you got some sin in your life it doesn't need to be there. Confess and repent of it. Maybe you have a burden for a family member who doesn't know Jesus. Talk to God right now and say, God, please save them. Call them out of darkness into light. Just take a moment and seek the Lord this morning. Father, we commit these things to you. In Jesus' name, amen.